What's up, everybody? This is the June 2021 monthly market update where we go over all the important things that have been happening in the news that will impact your investing. So let's get into it. This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Easter egg for this month. A little bit of a joke here. It's a little meme here. Taxation is a theft where a person didn't leave a tip, but they left it in a cash tip so that the federal government and state doesn't take their cut. And they're exactly right. The middle class is the people that get 30 to 60% taken from them in taxes. If you guys want to learn more, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash tax and join our private investor group at simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. By joining there, you'll get the free light remote investor e-course, six or seven hours of videos to ed get educated and get started in investing. Again, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. You guys haven't heard me before. Uh, my name is Lane Kaoka. I still have my professional engineering license. Um, if you guys like this and more, check out Simple Passive Cashflow Podcasts. And for those of you guys who are already listening on the podcast form, can also check us out on the YouTube channel where we have all these great slides and graphics. Me, I like graphs and stuff. You can check out all that on the YouTube channel. So some teaching points as we start out. Stop eating the chicken here, showing the KFC chicken coop. And start eating the eggs. Invest for cash flow, right? Create streams of income. Don't eat the chicken. Eat the eggs that they hatch, the golden eggs. Don't kill the golden goose. It's the same. And again, act like an accredited investor. I had an investor today saying, oh, I don't have enough money to invest. I'm like, but that's not the point. The point is stop doing all these things that are hurting you, like buying a house to live in, investing in the wrong stuff, like your 401k and doing things the wrong way in terms of tax. I'm going to drop the link here, simplepassivecashflow.com slash tax. Little deer here is licking the, the back of, the, of another deer. It's like the IRS taking money from you. And then you know, get that remote investor e-course light for free by going to simplepassivecashflow.com slash club. Or uh, shoot me an email, lane at simplepassivecashflow.com, and we'll get you access to that. And then you'll learn the secrets of investing. And a lot of it is just not in textbooks, such as this one. You know, I have a meme here where the person said on social media, the more random people jogging for no reason, the higher the rent is going up. Yep, that's what it is. We don't invest in those areas where people will go jogging in the middle of the night. It's no secret that we don't invest in the nicest, yuppie areas. At the same time, we're not in dangerous areas, the class C or D areas, worse. We stay in that sweet spot, and that is the kind of the secret sauce. Investing in good areas to the lower middle class rung, give them good housing and treat them with respect. In turn, they pay us a good return on our money. A lot of other podcasts, if you guys missed out this month, um, we had a couple of podcasts on cryptocurrency. You guys want to go back and check those out. My new Rich Uncle channel, which is geared more towards the younger folks. It's supposed to be a little bit quicker. For a lot of people, they don't have too much money to start investing or start investing seriously as an accredited investor. So where do you start? So check out my Rich Uncle channel or give it to the kids. Some Warren Buffett highlights from his uh, latest Berkshire Hathaway report where he's talking about inflation coming. And the, the short of the story is buy assets that produce cash flow that will go up with the pace of inflation. Those people not able to invest are going to be the losers here, unfortunately. We also talked about preferred equity versus traditional equity. 
two different ways to invest. And uh, yeah, more stuff to come next month on the Simple Passive Cash Flow podcast. So we had talked about, if you guys are missing out a lot of this discussion in our Simple Passive Cash Flow Pui Facebook group, you guys need to find us on Facebook and join us as we're always talking about new things, not always real estate. We talk about crypto, such as the latest happenings with Tether here. But yeah, let's get into the report here. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is inflation. As Warren Buffett outlined for everybody, inflation is here and it's probably here to stay. Price of lumber skyrocketed more than a few times what it used to be. But not to freak out, right? If you're a home builder, you're going to see the price come back at you when you actually sell the houses. This past month, we had a big dip in Bitcoin or all of cryptos for the most part. It is not a mature market. And the reason why I say that is, you know, if you look here, Elon Musk was the guy who supposedly tripped up the latest bull market as he tweeted that Tesla would stop accepting Bitcoin payments, citing, I feel is a bogus thing saying that he doesn't like how it's hurting the environment. It's not like the people mining this stuff, like they're getting the energy from pretty hydroelectric, solar, they're not getting it off the grid for the most part. And I think he's not dumb enough to not know that. So it's just another example. I think Elon is just trolling everybody and it just shows that cryptos are still a very immature market where one you know guy could move the market as he did and gets people into his dodge coin so he can play swing trades uh, unfortunately a lot of people like really buy into this stuff quite a bit and it's not the people that are very wealthy that kind of get hurt in situations like this uh, a lot of people in my world they like crypto but keep it within reason maybe with one to ten percent of your net worth if that the less net worth you have in my opinion, the more conservative you have to invest and invest in cash flow as opposed to these asymmetric risk type of holdings. I'm definitely not a big fan of altcoins, which I feel like are startup investments, very asymmetric risk type of um, investments. Bitcoin and Ethereum are blue chip type of cryptos, but they still swing up and down quite a bit. And of course, the more conservative way of playing this stuff is not the altcoins, but the stable coins, just getting a nice little yield farming from there. So this survey put on by YouGov on behalf of Bankrate in April 2021 showed that homeowners' most common regrets about purchasing their current home, and it showed the difference between homeowners of all ages and then the millennium. So the top ones were they had no regrets, then maintenance and other costs are too high, bought a too small of a house, bad location, didn't get the best mortgage rate. And then these are some of the lower wrong common regrets, bought a too big of a house, mortgage payment too high, overpay too much, not a good investment. And lately I've been thinking, and there's no rules of thumb out there for this type of stuff, but I felt like if your net worth is not one or two times the price of your primary residence, I don't think you should buy it. And that probably disqualifies most people out there. So if your net worth is a quarter million dollars, I don't think you should buy a house that's more than $150,000 in that case. You don't buy a half a million dollar house until your net worth is a million dollars, in my humble opinion. And that probably upsets a lot of people because they're like, oh my God, we're gonna buy a house. Like, we'll go invest and do something financially responsible and grows your money the right way and then go buy a house. A house is a financial drag. But then again, my big caveat is for most people out there are financially irresponsible. They can't seem to save more than they make and they can't control their spending. Therefore, a house might be a good 
option for them because it is a forced piggy bank for those people. But for most of you guys listening, you guys are pretty good with your money. You're financially responsible. I know a lot of you guys max out the 401ks, do things like that until you learn about real estate on alternative investing. And for you folks, I wouldn't buy the house quite yet. So yeah, your net worth is at least two times your what the house you're looking to buy for sure. We work with hardworking professionals looking to opt out of investments for the clueless. I mean, mainstream investing. We work with people we have a direct relationship while enjoying higher returns and a quicker path to financial freedom. I personally move my endorsement from turnkey rentals to syndications as my net worth has grown. However, the downside of many of these deals is that you need at least $50,000 to invest and the frequency of deals that meet my criteria is sporadic. Check out my article at simplepassivecashflow.com slash OFUND and learn how I always have cash on hand by using the American Home Preservation Fund as part of this one-two punch to be ready for a great deal while still making a double-digit return. I have been investing in AHP since 2016. AHP is a crowdfunding solution to the mortgage crisis in America, where collectively the fund and investors like you Pull their money together and get great bulk discounts on distressed mortgages. It's a business model that I think gets stronger should a bump in the economy come, because this is where there will be even more distressed inventory for AHP to purchase. The American Home Preservation Fund aims to keep people in their homes so you can make a 10% return while making a positive social impact. Invest in as little as $100 by going to ahpservicing.com investors. And if you want the free Burn Zone book and learn about George Newberry's story, please send me an email at lane at simplepassacashflow.com. I like to buy stuff. Well, that's a liability. All right. So I got a display of the map here of 2020 population net migration by county. Now, this is a big one. I think you've seen so many of these maps with state net migration, which is good, but... I think a lot of stuff gets mixed up in the shuffle, right? Because most people are, are clustered in a few cities in every state, and it is a little misleading when Texas is a big state, for example, most of the growth is clustered in those top five cities of Texas. But here we have it broken down by county where the red places are the growth in counties and the blue is where the people have been moving out. And I think this is a lot better way of figuring out, are you investing in the right place with the trade winds behind your back in emerging markets? I just got done watching a YouTube on Boise, Idaho. They said that the prices have gone up 30 something percent in the past year. I'm not a fan of Boise by any means. I, I know it's big people are moving out there, but I think the, the reason why I'm not a big buyer of it is because when I when I looked up the population, it's barely anything. It's a very small tertiary market at the end of the day. I wanna usually invest in a place that at least half a million population or greater. And a lot of people that move there are Californians and they can remote work. But what happens when, you know, the bosses want everybody to come back to work, which I feel like will happen at some point. I think some people, they like to invest off headlines, but if you ask me, I, I'm not hugely bullish on a place like Boise long-term. So next came from an article done by Harvard and they analyze are millennials so different than the generations before them? So there's four major differences or things that it talked about. So first is marital status. They said millennials are less likely to get married than earlier generations. I was reading, I forget where I heard, but like they said divorce rate through the pandemic is down. But then they said, well, it's because less people are getting married in the first place. 
So this article confirms that too. As far as home ownerships, millennials have been less likely to become owners than previous generations of the same age. The gaps between them are narrowing. Homeownership at the age of 30 among the early millennials was about 41% when it was 50.5% among Gen Xers at this point. So less people buying houses. And this is what we like. Hey, renters for life, guys. Keep doing it. Average personal income, despite the popular media portrayal of struggling millennials, their average personal income has surpassed that of earlier generations as they're aged into their 30s. Now, I don't know if they took into account inflation because you know how these articles are never really done by data people. They're just more English majors that kind of just look at stuff and don't really adjust for inflation or things like that. But maybe that had to do with also the poor early millennials were the ones that came into a 2008-2010 type of job market post-recession. I don't know. Multifamily residence shares. Millennial generation is about living in multifamily housing far more frequently than the boomers did but they are following their parents' migration into single-family homes. And millennials are not forever young, and it's time for many to admit that they might have to live and get a bigger space, and that comes along with these types of single-family homes. Uh, tax changes. Now, Biden is asking Congress to enact legislation that would disallow 1031 exchanges for Gains greater than 500000 Now, this will change probably several times before it really gets solidified. But I think if they let people under $500,000 on 1031 exchange go, I think that's a fair deal, not to get political or anything. Those people who have like let properties appreciate greater than half a million, million dollars, they're absentee. And I'm all for wealthy people who are not smart and especially not motivated. Now, this is very indicative of second generation wealth to lose it and give it to those who work harder and actually put focus into growing their wealth and wealth management. What's the saying? 90 something percent of wealth leaves a family in two or three generations. I don't know. I guess some people would argue with me that they've deserved it. I don't know, but I just see a lot of trust fund kids and they just don't deserve the wealth. They squandered it. And sadly for them, they're not motivated to do anything about it. One big thing that I saw in here, um, this is probably not going to affect too many people, but it's something to be aware of as the carried interest plays a role in every private equity investment where the mutual fund leaders, they get paid on carried interest. If you've ever heard of the, the term two and 20, that's how the industry is standard compensation where fund managers or mutual funds, they get like 2% asset management fee to keep the lights on, but they also get 20% of the upside for managing your money. So that's called carried interest. So right now, the carried interest is taxed differently, where in the future, Biden's looking to tax that at a higher rate. Who knows how this will come out? I think it's going to spook out some of the rats in a way. The mutual fund folks, the big players are going to find another way for them to take compensation. Because for a while, they were hiding a lot of their compensation, like at a lower tax rate, under this carried interest benefit. So next time you want to sound cool in front of your friends, when you actually have a real live wine party, you can discuss the benefits of the carried interests of wealthy fund managers. Quarter one completions, this is the construction from uh, CBRE. So right after 2020, I think it's obvious, like construction fell way off. Some people could say because of the commodities, lumber prices went way up. But it's just a sign of the times. Uncertainty makes 
people stop building, makes people stop taking risks. And I think it's a great time to build right now because prices are going up. And again, the fundamentals are the same. People need a place to live. But it's just interesting to see the trends and like how there's healthy building. Maybe some people would say oversupply or overbuilding. We definitely did never hit oversupply. We're still at a, at a housing deficit. But how things just slow way down in quarter one of 2020 to quarter one of 2021. Yeah, we said before, uh, Warren Buffett is very hyper aware of inflation. And so is his other older elderly friend, Sam Zell, who I like to watch and peek what he does from time to time. He says he's buying gold with inflation reminiscent of the 70s. He says, obviously, one of the natural reactions is to buy gold, he said in a Bloomberg television interview. It feels very funny because I spent my career talking about why would you want to own gold? It has no income. It has costs to store. And yet, when you see the basement of the currency, you say, what am I going to hold on to? So this is where I'm going to agree with inflation, but I disagree on the, what the means. I think the way to do it is with real estate. And I think at some point, cryptocurrency will probably dethrone gold as the means for mitigating against inflation. Right now, I think cryptocurrency is a trillion dollars where gold is around 10 times that. So it's nowhere near more than gold, but I mean, it's the fastest, fastest asset to get up to that 1 trillion mark thus far in history. If I were to put a bet, I'd put it on crypto over gold, but... I like real estate because it pays for income in the process. Commercial property executive reports the top five Sunbelt markets for industrial construction. Number one, Dallas. Number two, Houston. Number three, Phoenix. Number four, Inland Empire, which is out there in San Bernardino, California, in Colton, California. And number five, Memphis. Dallas, Houston, Phoenix, Inland Empire, Memphis. Another article from Harvard University. If you guys looking for a good read, these guys don't get too much notoriety, but these guys pump out some good articles. Not really thought-provoking ones, too. So they said here, are millennials leaving cities? They say yes, but young adults are not. So I have a graph here of how the, the different age ranges are changing from the top 50 MSA, which are the bigger cities, to smaller MSAs, and how it's transitioning over the time. I don't know. Some of this stuff is, I think, People are moving out of the cities into the suburbs because you know, people would rather be in less crowded areas. There's no point to commuting all this time. People don't need to be in the same office as they once did back in the Stone Age before Zoom and all this internet. Even before email or when everybody had to get on a conference call, that was a big technological boost. But I feel like young people, they still want to be where it's popping. Right, where the big cities are now. Some of the smaller MSAs are having more uptown type of fun, leisure, nightlife areas. But I think regardless, either in one camp, the city or the suburbs, I'm neither. I'm like, populations are going up. Both are increasing both ways. So Newmark had a report here. This is from their multifamily capital report where they cited the lack of housing supply. The tan line is the Case-Shiller U.S. National Home Price Index, which has been steadily increasing for a decade. No surprise there. And the blue lines are the monthly supply of homes, which went down in the past year. And that is the reason why residential prices are higher. I wouldn't say that there's more demand. I don't know if it's more. I don't know if it's less. 
But what I am certain and it can be measured is monthly supply of houses. Again, supply and demand, that's what dictates the price. The supply is down, therefore, even if it's more or a little less demand, the price goes up. And that's what you're seeing house prices go across the country. It makes absolutely no sense to me. And that's why I don't do residential real estate because it's based on emotion. You're not really seeing this type of run up in the commercial world. All right. So this next article from John Burns Real Estate Consulting. So they forecasted how the affordability, which is defined as the median household income and the annual household costs, which includes mortgage plus taxes, insurance, and mortgage insurance for a home equal to 80% of the median home price. So in a nutshell, how affordable are houses based on what people can afford today? In 2005, 2006, you had a scale of 10. In 2009 to 2012, you had a scale of zero. And it's steadily, in the past decade, it's been going up and down, but steadily moving up to over the median where we are now at baseline five. And John Burns is forecasting that in the next few years, it will be keep going up and up to almost to where we were pre-recession. So I think people are scared to death that the recession is here looming. I don't think based on this chart right here, we're still another handful of years away. If you're sitting on the sidelines, you're probably gonna miss out on one of the best bull markets in your lifetime post pandemic. But hey, you just wanna see and watch the wave pass you by, that's your own life to deal with. But I think the one risk that is looming is there's a lot of people in forbearance. And for a lot of these people, they, they went in forbearance. And the thing that sucks about forbearance is not like your payments stop, they pile up. So people could be looking at anywhere from like ten to $20,000 of built up payments that they have to pay when the forbearance burns off, which you would think would be happening soon with the country 50% vaccinated, everything opening up again. You got a hundred something people at the Indy 500. You got real people at basketball games. Things are opening up again. Therefore, you would think the government would be like, all right, guys, y'all got to pay your rents again. You got to pay your mortgages again. The freebie dance is over. And the theory is that it's going to trigger a lot of foreclosures. And on my last podcast with George Newberry, which you'll see here in the next month, uh, the latest update with HP, we're going to be walking through the financials. I asked George, hey, what do you think about all the residential stuff? And he feels like there is definitely going to be a lot of foreclosures happening. And this could possibly uh, cool off the obscenely hot residential problems. And honestly, I don't really care because I don't own a primary residence. And I invest in commercial real estate, which is a little bit insulated from all that madness and emotion in the residential world. But I'm not really interested in it. But if I was betting, I feel like in the next year or two, you're going to see the prices start to cool off and uh, people get foreclosed. And I think that's why it's smart to own commercial assets because they all need the rent. So if you guys haven't uh, checked out our mastermind group, the family office on a mastermind, Check it out and apply at simplepassivecashflow.com slash journey. Prices are going to be going up here in the next month. So join now before it goes up. Uh, just like a house, price keeps going up. You're going to wish you did it six months ago. And if you guys are still trying to buy your first rental property, check out the uh, incubator and the remote rental e-course. 
by going to simplepassivecashflow.com slash turnkey and simplepassivecashflow.com slash incubator. But again, if you guys are accredited investors already got in your portfolio going, look to joining our group of accredited investors in the family office upon a mastermind. We are the only pure passive accredited investor group. And the one question that always happens is people are like, oh, I don't have the time for that. I'm like, dude, you don't have the time not to do this. Like the time commitment is just like a few hours every single month. But the big thing is we put you in the ethos of 50, 60 other pure passive accredited investors and you build relationships with the right people. None of this going out to the local or trolling on some free internet forum with a bunch of broke guys and wasting your time on the one time that your spouse lets you to go outside the house or the one weekend that you can go to some kind of conference in the year. Like, trust me, I've been there. I've wasted so many weekends of my life, so many thousands of dollars going to fake real estate conferences just to find other people that are broke, trying to get unbroke and have that get rich mentality. You're not going to find another group like this who are already high net worth, accredited, pure passive investors that have good paying jobs and understand that their highest and best use is at their job, but they want to understand the systems of analyzing syndication deals, the tax, the legal, and the network of other pure passives like yourself. So check that out. That's all I'm going to say about that. A little bit update on my life as we transition to what I've been up to. Something I've been doing for growth this past month. These are short. The monthly definitely fly by. We're already halfway through 2020. Uh, yesterday or a couple of days ago, Memorial Day, I did the Murph Challenge once again. And this year I didn't do it with the weight fast. My fitness has been sucking as of late as I have not been going to the gym. I just do the Zoom workouts, which have been very convenient and really good for productivity on my business side because I don't go to the gym for an hour a day. But I don't have that peer group around me to peer pressure me into putting more weight on the bar or shaming me that I'm the last person. So I probably got to get back in the gym. But for the Murph challenge, which is a mile run, 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, and 300 air squats. And there's me, the arrows pointing to me. That's me in the middle of one of my 300 air squats there. As you can see, I am pretty much at parallel. So... Nobody can give me any crap for that. So that was my thing for growth this week. How did I contribute back? I'm seeing my mission these days to help people get more educated about this stuff. And there's so many people out there that are accredited that kind of waste their time buying rental properties. Again, if you guys are younger, like when I was in my 20s and your net worth is under half a million dollars, it's like adolescence. You have to go through the stage of owning rental properties. But there's a, a message on our Facebook group that somebody left. Um, one of their tenants, as they were doing the, the move out, their last tenant accidentally left their handgun on the kitchen countertop and the property manager freaked out. And this is not something like an accredited investor should deal with this type of stuff. Move off to bigger and better things that are more passive, lower liability, debt and yearning. Another thing I like helping people out is, I think it upsets me when I see a lot of young people under a quarter million, half a million dollars network buying houses, because that's not what they should be doing. It's not a good use of money. And here's a little meme of making fun of the Japanese people. I'm Japanese, so I can make fun of Japan because they're all happy when they won the 2020 Olympics. And that's how homeownership is. Everyone's like, yay, congratulations. How's your home? It's nice to be a homeowner. And then you move in and you realize the damn thing costs all this much. You, you, you gave away this big chunk of money that you could have bought a handful of rentals with. You got this big mortgage payment. You have, you have no cash flow. 
which is your oxygen, which is your ability to buy more rental properties or do syndication deals. And your house, rich but cash poor, you're stuck. And this is what society wants you to do. Your boss probably wants you to buy a house because once you buy a house, you're stuck. You're a slave to him. You have to do everything he says as opposed to what I was. I didn't listen to my boss because I had rental properties. And I could choose what I wanted to do. Learn about this controversial subject, go to simplepassivecashflow.com slash home. But it's one of kind of my missions and contribution back to especially the young people being misled. Some things that I've been proud of and derived some significant off of, we closed three properties this past month. First one was a small 96 unit in Huntsville, Alabama, which was pretty screaming deal. Under market rents by at least a few hundred dollars. And not just saying a few hundred dollars, because most times when you hear that, it's never a few hundred dollars. It's really like $125 really. really. But down was legit, like $300 under market. I think the average rents were like in the high 400s per month. This is for a Class C property. Uh, we closed 126 units in Houston and then another 300 unit in Houston also, which has been our biggest property to date. Definitely moving up the, uh, the better asset scale. And on one of our properties, we refinanced to a lower rate. We paid a little bit, paid like 13 grand but we were able to lock up a $32,000 per year savings. I, I call that a pretty good cost-benefit analysis. So we raked locked at 3.18, and we use the FHA loan. For those of you guys who aren't familiar with these, normally we do Fannie and Freddie Mac. FHA loans are longer amortization, 35-year AM, and lower rate, maybe a quarter point, half a point less than their Fannie Mae Freddie Mac counterpart. The only problem with the FHA loans is that they take forever and a day to originate, which is difficult. In terms of uncertainty, this is kind of what we deal with, right? Like I think all signs point to a good few years ahead of us. I'm very bullish on what you're going to see for GDP growth the next quarter and the quarter after. I'm talking probably 4 to 7%. But what's going to happen with the foreclosures in the residency? If I was owning rental property right now, that is impacted by residential home prices, I'd be a little uncertain right now. I don't care because I own commercial assets. It's a little insulated from that and actually benefits a little bit as people get foreclosed. They got to come back to a class B or C apartment, but you're always going to have times of uncertainty, but how can you move forward in a strategy where you're hedged to the downside, but you can still partake in this case, the potential Bull market. Another uncertain thing we're dealing with is the lumber prices, right? We're trying to build 230 units apartments, and this is a one of the security cameras of we've got the structure up, and we just bought the last tranche of lumber, so we're good. We locked in that lumber price. We paid the higher price because the team felt, you know what? We don't feel like the price of lumber is going down because we're inflation is here. How else are we going to pay for all this government stimulus money? There's several trillion dollars that got pumped into the system and it's been unprecedented. Nothing like in 2008, it looks anything how it was in the last year. Uh, the last thing in terms of love and connection, I, I'll be honest, I haven't left the house very often because you're having a kid here soon and I don't want to be the uh, person to mess it up for everybody. I got my COVID shot. I got really sick for a day, but I... Really would like to be able to meet everybody again. I don't know if I'm going to be able to see everybody this year, but for sure, you guys out there put the 2022 retreat on the calendar, Martin Luther King weekend here at Honolulu, Hawaii. From all indications, I believe it's a go. 
So put it on the calendar and we will look forward to meeting all of you guys. I think we had a lot of good feedback from the virtual mastermind this year. And a lot of people realized, wow, I didn't realize this really was such a big thing. And more importantly, such a high quality for people, high net worth professionals, people of first generation wealth that are frugal, good values, and want to pass it down the right way to their families, build legacies. And that's what we're all about. I don't think you'll find a higher quality caliber of uh, folks than our group. And no better place than coming out to Honolulu, Hawaii and hanging out for a weekend in January, 2022. If not, hopefully I see you guys before that. But I think that that is something circled on my calendar that is going to happen. As you guys always like to see the things I've been buying and like saying, I haven't been buying much stuff because everything is for that kid. All this baby stuff coming in the mail. I stopped even checking the mail personally because I know it's not even for me. Uh, but I did buy these feasible beer glasses because it's been getting hot here. And I don't like my drinks to get watered down by the ice. So I bought these, 25 bucks. Not a bad doodad spend for myself. If you guys have any questions here, type it into the chat. But we got some over here. Hop. So Justin asks, what about the 1% uh, physician loans? These things are just marketing tools. The lenders just tell you they're like physician loans. And then, then the next guy comes, they're like, oh, these are the teacher loans. Yeah. And then they say, oh, these are for the engineers. That's like when you go to the car dealership, they ask, oh, who do you work for? We have a government. It's just marketing to make you feel um, significant. And, but you know, they're not really that great. The best loans are the government's Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and that's the baseline. All these other loans are just not as good as that. They're priced up in a way, but that's just my take on it. And this depends on what circles we hang out in, right? If you're in single family home world with a bunch of non-accredited investors, they'll call these Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loans the golden tickets. They're so good, but they're not that great. Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loans aren't that great. Yeah, it's good that it's 30-year debt and it's semi-low rate, but it's the fact that the government is backing the loan should it fall through. It doesn't discount the loan that much. But the biggest thing is an investor is buying the right deal. That's what's really going to move the needle than finding a loan. The loans are okay for the most part. And then, so wrapping up here, make sure you guys uh, check out the tax guides at opacitcashflow.com slash tax and get the free light remote investor e-course by going to simplepassivecashflow.com slash club and we'll see you guys next time and aloha everybody bye this website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes every investor situation is unique always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax investment and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk the content found here is just my opinion and things change and i reserve the right to change my mind above all else do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.